This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Uh, we become fairly casual in our own regard when it comes to legalized pot in this country. To wit, there's a story out of Dawson Creek, B.C., where an eight-year-old kid at a hockey tournament uh, won a prize in a raffle, like $200 worth of pot products. So, I mean, uh, whereas maybe a few years back, uh, this might have caught our attention. Right now, it's just this little confection in the news. But uh, there are inherent dangers to the way we're going culturally, societally with all of this. No one knows that better than our friend Alex Berenson, the former reporter with the New York Times and author of Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And he's joined the Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Alex, how are you doing this afternoon? Um, I'm great, John. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, was I right about Bernie carrying Colorado, very progressive, legalized pot? You, you, you are correct about that, but I actually think it's very interesting. And, and, you know, I'm not here to talk about U.S. politics, but the fact is that Joe Biden is the only major Democratic candidate, uh, well, Bloomberg too, but the only sort of uh, the only one who's been running for a while. Uh, who doesn't support uh, cannabis legalization, and it doesn't seem to have hurt him at all with the Democratic base, even though, you know, we always hear that legalization is incredibly popular in the U.S., and that 60 percent or 65 percent of the country supports it. Um, my my comment about this has always been that, that support for legalization in the U.S., and I, and I presume in Canada, too, is a mile wide, but it's, it's an inch deep. Most people who don't smoke don't really particularly care about this issue. They just don't want to come off as sort of bigoted or uncool. And so if pollsters ask them, they'll say, oh, I, I support legalization. But in, in reality, they don't care very much about it. And that's true even with the Democrats, because if a lot of Democrats really cared about legalization, Biden could not possibly have done what he did last night. Yeah, I guess you're right. But insofar as, you know, the breakdown is concerned, uh, it could be demographically informed because Biden carried 65 plus Bernie, uh, the demographic 18 to 29. Uh, but, you know, you're right. We're not here to talk about U.S. politics. I just wanted by way of ushering that in that Colorado uh, is maybe one of those, as I said, laboratories. And we've talked about this in the past where everything seems casual and calm concerning uh, cannabis in that state now. But uh, is the jury sort of coming in as to the implications of the legal pot six, seven years in now? Well, I mean, I would say it is, and I would say the data is uh, is essentially very negative. Um, uh, that, that, that driving deaths are up significantly in Colorado and Washington and Oregon since legalization began. That um, that violent crime is up significantly, and and in some of those states actually appears to have taken another tick, or at least in some of the big cities, appears to have taken another tick up last year and recently. Um, there's there's considerable evidence that mental illness is increasing in those states. It, it, the, the results are actually pretty poor. The, the problem in the U.S. is that almost nobody knows about this because the media, aside from you know a, a few people on the conservative side, are not talking honestly about what's happening. Right, and so politicians talk a good game about wanting to follow the science. You know, they always talk about that insofar as uh, climate is concerned. But how about with drug use? Now, uh, to the points that you just made, can we ascribe those to legal pot use? You know, I think at this point it's a little bit hard to to say that that those effects are definitely the result of of legal use. What you can say is that those numbers have have been much worse in the legalized states than in states that haven't legalized a, 
And B, especially when it comes to violence, because I think violence is it's the most interesting. And obviously, you know, for people who are afraid or worried about becoming the victim of violence, it's the most interesting. What was promised when legalization was uh, was passed in Colorado and in other states was crime is going to go down. Violent crime is going to go down. This is going to be good for the police. They're going to be able to focus on violent criminals, not people who use cannabis. Um, and it's going to move the illicit market off into the, uh, you know, it, it, nobody will buy on the illicit market anymore. It turns out neither of those things is true. And by the way, that's been true in Canada, too. Canada also, you know, more than a year after legalization, has a major problem with the illicit market. And I haven't seen the homicide numbers for Canada for all of 2019 yet. But I know that in the last three or four years, as legalization has, you know, become closer and closer to reality in Canada, that homicides are up uh, pretty dramatically. Now, I know your homicide rate is considerably lower than that in the U.S., but nonetheless, my my understanding, and I have looked at this, is that homicides are up about 30 percent since 2014 in Canada. So this idea that legalization is somehow good for, you know, good for the police or reduces crime or makes people safer, at least as far as the numbers go, looks demonstrably untrue. Again, with Alex Berenson. He's the author of Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And so to that end or point, uh, we have a Liberal Member of Parliament here in Toronto uh, who is proposing a private member's bill. He's put it forth. These things rarely pass, but, you know, the idea that it would even uh, be lent any credence because he wants to decriminalize the possession of heroin, crack cocaine, and meth. Uh, And I'm saying, did the path get sort of smoothed over by the legalization of pot which we've talked about as a gateway in another instant, but uh, is that something, the normalization of the use of drugs is now well on its way? That's a really great question. So, you know, I get invited to speak a lot now to talk about Tell Your Children, which is my book about cannabis and, you know, sort of about these issues. And I, and, I, and I am now realizing that there is a much bigger issue even than Tell Your Children goes into, which is the idea that the legalization of cannabis is being used by people uh, to sort of push the decriminalization or the legalization of all drugs. And that's one reason why they have to lie or, let's say, mislead about what the data shows. Um, because if they were honest about cannabis, which I think we all agree is you know, less dangerous than a drug like methamphetamine or cocaine, if they were honest that the legalization of cannabis has been nothing but negative for the public health, what would that tell you about uh, cocaine or heroin or methamphetamine? And, you know, I, I think... I think people have forgotten. I think the drug legalizers have done a really good job of they argue, well, these drugs are they're they're dangerous because they're illegal, but that's exactly backwards. Okay, there's a hundred years of history here suggesting that these drugs are illegal because they're dangerous. They are in the case of the opioids, they're very dangerous to the people who use them and they cause uh, you know, a lot of property crime because if you're you know, if you're if you're an opioid addict, it's very hard to work. Um, and in the case of the stimulants, methamphetamine and cocaine, those drugs clearly are dangerous to the people who use them. But they're also, they, you know, they're dangerous to the people around the people who use them. They cause, you know, they cause aggression and violence and psychosis. And and I think it's very, very hard if you actually look at the data to argue that. Now you can still say, okay, that's true. But what we need to do is try to figure out how to, you know, reduce the harms around use, and we're going to legalize somehow. That's going to reduce the harms around use. But that isn't true either. Um, the fact is, there doesn't seem to be any way to, to really manage the harms around the use of these drugs. 
Well, I think that's sort of central to the argument that would be presented. I mean, there's a distinction between legalization and decriminalization for personal use, and they would say the latter is uh, part and parcel of a harm reduction strategy. Are they wrong? Yes. And no, no, that, that's right. I mean, you can make a better case for uh, for decriminalization than legalization. Legalization of these drugs, I, I feel very confident in saying whenever it has been tried, it is a public health disaster. The idea that you would be able to walk into a store, even a pharmacy, let's say only a pharmacy, and buy cocaine or buy heroin, and, and that that would in some way improve life or health or safety is, is just demonstrably untrue. Decriminalization is a little bit different because you don't have an industry promoting the drugs. What you're saying is, okay, people can use these, but we're not going to encourage the use. And so that's a little bit, that's a little bit more uh, plausible. But unfortunately, it's very hard to do that without effectively encouraging use, even if you say you're not. You know, Alex, people point to the Portuguese model and say, it works over there, so uh, why don't we legalize everything? So, so I will acknowledge I have not studied Portugal that closely. I know people say that. Um, here's a couple points about Portugal. Portugal is a very small country. It has about 10 million people. It's very ethnically homogenous. Um, it, it, it is it, the decriminalization model they, they have there is what you would call hard decriminalization, and that if you're arrested for use of these drugs, you don't just get to like get a ticket and walk away. You have to talk to people about your use, and they have to. Sort of, they sort of have to evaluate you. So that's 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 very different than than full legalization or even a soft decriminalization model. But the other thing I would say is, okay, Portugal has been at this for 20 years. Spain is right next to Portugal. France is near Portugal. If this works so well, how come these other European countries have not followed this model? Let me ask you finally about the kid that uh, won $200 worth of cannabis products at a, a youth hockey tournament in northern B.C., uh, yeah, it was a raffle. He's eight years old. Uh, does this speak again to the casual and cavalier nature of these products now being widely uh, available, I guess? Uh, the granddad wasn't too impressed. It absolutely does, and I think people should be angry about this. If the, if the kid was getting $200 in vodka, would we think that's a joke? The, the problem is with cannabis, and, and, you know, and, and when I, again, when I was researching, tell you, I couldn't believe how effective this campaign has been for 20 years Cannabis's harms have been hidden, and its medical benefits have been overstated. And it is no wonder we are so confused about it. And, and now that the data is really coming out, it is really up to the media, and not just the conservative media, to really look at what it says. Well, that's following the science, as I said earlier. Alex, that's why we like to have you on from time to time and just get an update. Uh, appreciate this occasion as well. It is a pleasure to be on with you, and let's, uh, you know, let's hope that, uh, that people start paying attention. Alex Berenson, former reporter with the New York Times, author of Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.